from Los Angeles, California. This is Burncast, and I'm the bomb. Happy Tutu Tuesday, and welcome to the show. In this episode of Burncast, we talk to Christine Nash, also known as Mama Crunchy, who is described as the oil in the machine that maintains the mutator. Here, Nash shares with us the early history of the band and her role within it. She also speaks candidly about the aftermath of her husband Maddie's arrest on NBC's Dateline to Catch a Predator. But first, the Burncast Community Bulletin Board. First up, Burncast receives some audio comments from our listeners, of which I'm going to play. The first one is from Catherine the Great. Hi there, this is Catherine the Great, and I'm leaving a comment regarding episode number 32, which um, had featured the burning of the Belgian waffle and the sounds of that humongous structure getting torched. And I just wanted to express my gratitude at being able to hear that, maybe not in person, but um, at least capture some of that, because I actually had to miss the waffle burn. Um, I was accidentally inadvertently dosed with a pot brownie earlier that day and I don't do anything like that and so I was too high to stay awake so um, I had to go to bed before the waffle burn but it just it was wonderful to at least capture some part of it even though um, I had to miss it when I was actually on the playa also for all of you people out there who enjoy things like that be sure to label them just for people like me who don't enjoy things like that And, um, yeah, thanks a lot. Well, Catherine, sorry to hear about that, but I'm really glad you enjoyed the podcast, and thanks for calling and sharing that with us. This brings us to our next listener, Mark Clark, who left us this message. When someone you don't know asks you for drugs of any kind, look sadly into their eyes and say, Oh, dude, don't do drugs. Life's too precious to waste your brain on the fake shit. Use this approach even with the most cool-seeming person and the most plausible story, because you never know. People are paid to find drugs on the playa, and that violates Burning Man principles. Thank you, Mark, for that very important piece of advice. We're going to move on to our next comment from Dale, who called in all the way from Barcelona. Hello, Mrs. Baum. This is Dale with uh, Dragon Debris. We've been going to Burning Man since two or yeah two thousand. Right now we're standing in Barcelona. I'm looking out at the Sagrada Familia, and the reason that I'm calling you to tell you this is because this is what our camp does. We uh, take a whole year and study a culture and come back to the playa and bring it. So we've done Japanorama and Bollywood and Azteca, Easter Island last year, La Dolce Vita, and this year we're going to do something with modern East. Uh, Antonio, <laughs> Antonio Gaudi. Uh, my apologies, I'm drunk. But anyway, the, re- <laughs> the reason that I'm giving you the call is that I, listen- I was listening to the Burncast with Mutator on the flight on the way over, and I thought, hey, I don't know if this is interesting or not, but we've done these theme camps where literally we immerse ourselves in a culture for a year, and I don't know that there's been a Burncast that really did anything about that stuff. You know, we learn the music, we learn how to cook, we learn the culture, we learn the history, and then we go to the place that we're studying, and it really is like a year-long project. 
So if you're interested in doing a burn cast on this, I would love to participate in one, and I think it's great what you're doing. So uh, give me a holler. I am at the end of my cell, and I hope you're doing well. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Hey, Dale, thanks for calling, and thanks for the suggestion. I think this makes for an excellent podcast, and I would totally love to connect with you to do this when you get back from your trip. I'm so happy that listeners like Dale, Mark, and Catherine are calling in. If any other listeners out there have any other suggestions or comments, we invite you to contact us by calling the Burncast hotline at 206-350-1416, like Dale did, or by clicking on the My Chingo recorder at our website, like Catherine and Mark did. Visit burncast.net for more information. Our final posting on the Burncast Community Bulletin Board is a thanks to our listeners who donated through PayPal to help with our productions. One of our contributors includes costumer and fashion designer Cheese Bikini from LynnBruning.com, who wrote in to say that she loves to listen to Burncast when I, quote, sit at my work tables weaving and sewing and cutting and scheming. Well, in fact, Cheese Bikini is having some of her design shown at the Transgressions and Transformations Fashion Show on the 2nd of June, 2007 at the Folly Theater in Kansas City. For more information, you can click on the Burncast MySpace blog. Another wonderful listener who donated through PayPal is Catherine the Great from Blue Moon Designs. Yes, that's the very same Catherine that called in and left a message about the pot brownies. Catherine is also a Burning Man fashionista and a costume designer who specializes in illuminated clothing and fantasy costumes. You can also learn more about her by clicking on the Burncast MySpace blog as well. Pixie from Pixie Vision Productions also made a donation to Burncast. Pixie is the photographer for Mutator, and she was very generous in permitting us to use her images in our podcast. But the donation came as a very nice surprise as well, and we thank you so much. Musician Al Polito from alpolito.net also made a donation to Burncast and added that he particularly liked the Mutator episode featuring Adam and Buck. Finally, Burncast would also like to thank Robert Simpson for contributing to Burncast. Now, if you have it in you to help with our productions, the easiest way to do it is by clicking on the PayPal button at our website, burncast.net. Remember, Burncast is an independent podcast, and the Burning Man organization does not sponsor us. We rely solely on our listeners for support. There are many ways you contribute to our show, and PayPal is just one of them. To learn more, click on the support tab at our website, burncast.net. Okay, that about wraps up the Burncast Community Bulletin Board. Let's move on with today's episode. Here, we get an exclusive interview with Mutator's Christine Nash as she speaks to Burncast's guest host, Quinn. Now, Quinn is a longtime friend, supporter, and advisor to Burncast, and he'll be doing more episodes in the future. Okay, so we're in the Burncast studio, which happens to be a friend's closet. And, uh, Quinn, I want to congratulate you on completing your first Burncast. Uh, I want to drink a toast to community. Thank you. We're doing two-buck chuck here. But, Quinn, this is actually a really serious topic, and we won't be playing the three-ply community drinking game in this sh- particular episode. Is that right? Um, no, not, not in this particular episode. All right. So tell me how your first Burncast went. Well, it, it was a lot of work. We've spent a lot of time on this. And uh, frankly, you're sick of it. Uh, well, I am kind of over it. <laughs> uh, 
but it, it's an important piece. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. It's uh, it touches a lot of people. It brings up a lot of issues in, in the Burning Man community. Drank. And a lot of people are, are in really interested in hearing what these guys have to say. And particularly, a lot of people have asked about Crunchy. How's Crunchy? Is she okay? And, um, I mean, really this story wouldn't be complete without this interview with her. Do you want to set this up? I mean, I want to tell our listeners what they're going to hear. Well, this first segment, Crunchy kind of takes us back to the very, very beginning. We, we go into the way, way back machine. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was like 1996. I'll, I'll let her tell the story, of course. But when Maddie first brings out his drum kit and, and the moment that he starts to collect... Uh, all these different artists who who become in what becomes more than just Maddie the pyrotechno drummer and, and becomes Mutator, Mutator the steamroller, it, this massive force in the L.A. burn scene. It, essentially, it's kind of the creative, uh, art- artistic Borg of live performance in L.A. <laughs> That's an interesting analogy. Okay. <laughs> well, they, they basically assimilated all these different acts into it. And, I mean, they, they were so dominating. I, I even remember uh, a show they did with Lucent Dossier, and their presence was so large. They had, you know, projections and these big banners that she almost felt like Lucent Dossier was a part of the Mutator show. And because of that large presence, they've kind of been this steamroller. And What do you mean by steamroller? It's the second time you've said that. Well, you know, I mean, a steamroller's there to, you know, level out the way and, and, and make, make easy going for, for those who uh, follow behind. But in order to do so, well, you, you have to crush a few rocks and, you know, uh, if anything gets in your way, well, it, it gets squashed. It gets flattened. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, you know, a lot of people have come in and out of Mutator as performers and contributors. And, you know, there's some great stories about some great shows and people having some, you know, some really good times uh, with the participating in their participation with uh, Mutator. But there's also a lot of stories, and it, it's surprising. You, you don't hear so much about this. It, it's the dysfunction of the family uh, within Mutator. Conflicts between band mm-hmm. members and who stays, who goes. Mm-hmm. That's also addressed in, in, this, um, in this episode um, with Crunchy. She talks a little bit about... Some of, I guess, what you could call personnel issues. Okay. You know, people who've come and gone and for various reasons. All right. Well, let's roll sound. Let's hear it. You dialed in the Radio Free Mutator, live and direct, 25 hours a day on the Dub Science Broadcast Network. Added a free, fortified, deep soul vibrations, direct to Black Rock City Worldwide, all up in your family business. So live up on the downstroke. I am talking with Crunchy, Mutator. <laughs> Hello. 
can you kind of walk me through like some of the the big I can give you the milestones, yeah. yeah, the milestones. I think the milestones. The first one is in 1996. We went to Burning Man. We were supposed to go in '95, and I forget something happened and we couldn't go. And our dear friend, this awesome dude, Hippie Steve, who rocked my world, Hippie Steve, invited us to go out with Linda, and they had I think that was Bubble Wrap Camp. They were brought out a whole camp of bubble wrap. So we laid out a stage of bubble wrap, and that was when there was center camp in the middle and all the camps were just in a ring around it. And it was awesome because he brought out every instrument he had and every day was just a drum jam and people dancing on this bubble wrap. And of course we had to wrap them up at night because people would come on any substance known to man just wanting to have a drum circle and it got really hippie real quick. So um, everybody had a blast and then that was the inception. The next year he brought out a big drum kit and just did solo drum shows and he'd have two, three hundred people around him just going off to a drum kit because he was very good at composing drums. He loved Terry Basio and uh, you know the, the big compositions, you know, ostinatos with your foot and then your hands doing another solo and so he did that. The next year, uh, Benjamin Pike, who's also known DJ Satan, he had a calcium deposit on his forehead awesome great guy he came up with these old MIDI sequencers these awesome old computers and started putting beats behind it so that was really cool and also Maddie was doing the flamethrowing drum kit so it was that was going on and then over the years he would put the drum kit in different places so uh, a belly dancer would be walking by and she would start dancing and then fire performers started to really like spinning to the tribal drums and then this techno music behind it. So that was the inception of the visuals with the drumming. And then he got involved with Newt's project which was Insecto Circus mm -hmm. and there was a whole series of cross-pollinization of Insecto's crazy surf monster rock with Maddie the Mutator and DJ Satan. And then our dear friend who, the coolest dude in the planet, I know I've called a lot of people that, um, Dr. Megavolt, we got involved with. And then we did this huge show with uh, another awesome dude in LA, Christian Risto, with his machines. And it was Megavolt and the Subjugator battling it out with Maddie controlling the coil in his mouth with cages and people dancing in them and that was an awesome you know that was a really cool thing and at that show where it was megavolt versus subjugator versus mutator um buck down was in the audience and in true rock star you know experience maddie threw a broken drumstick and buck caught it and he had always been an admirer of megavolts and dug what maddie was doing and literally that was when those two started collaborating with better electronics and a whole different style and then Adam was brought in by Buck and and DJ Satan was doing really cool stuff on his own much more electronic so he kind of had a different vision he wanted and Maddie wanted to keep you know the live drums going yada yada then we had the opportunity to do with Azteca um, the Hollywood Halloween Prey Carnival. We had this huge stage and it was Insecto played and Mutator played and Hargobin showed up and Hambone was playing and um, some really great fire spinners were, were there and a lot of Gigsville got involved in it. I mean at one point I looked up and Xion was doing awesome Flagpoy and XTC and all of our friends were up there. It was just all of our friends doing like Flagpoy and doing Mutator just kind of on their own. 
Um, so that was the first big public thing of like the mutator. I think we had it, that was our first big banner. And we were doing parties and whatnot, you know, on the weekends, but that was a biggie. Then over the years, as we got more of the regional events, like Venice Beach Carnival, we did the ho-ho-hos parties every Christmas. Um, uh, Wolfie was doing a lot of camp out trips. We, more performers kept adding to the mix and they stayed and, hey, when's your next gig? And we did a Venice Beach Carnival and Rue was originally came in to help out with the staging and the lights and more of a tech thing. And, you know, we're all screwing around in the parking lot and she lights up Poi. And it's like, oh, you do that too. And, you know, we got Rue in there. And so it's like, and then the Burning Man shows got bigger and bigger. And we met more people out there who then, oh, you happen to live in LA. Well, we're playing next weekend. You know, why don't you continue? And it just kind of built from there. But that was the big progression was from a solo drum kit with simple electronics, more complex electronics, bigger visuals and bigger opportunities. And then we started to get offers from like the Key Club to do a non-fire show, but we could do aerial. Suddenly, you know, Rue is in a harness, uh, you know, wishing around the top balcony. And then uh, different performers came in and out for whatever reason, um, different musicians came in and out. One thing that was really difficult for a lot of years is that everybody had their own agenda and there was a lot of difficulty making sure, you know, everybody finding their own way, what I call like two dogs sniffing each other's butts, you know, it's kind of hard to figure out just what you can do, what people will let you do, and then how you can be happy in the confines of, at that point, 15 to 20 people all saying, no, I really want to do this. No, I want, you know, it took a little while and, and there hasn't been a whole lot of turnover lately. Well, you've had a lot of people come and, and go through the band yeah. and hasn't always been the the best situation. What were some of the challenges like with personalities and people who have been in Mutator? Mm -hmm. I think the biggest challenge is there's been several hookups romantically within the band. Um, that's always, it's hard because you want everything to work out right and sometimes it doesn't. It's hard for me sometimes to separate that it's a business I'm trying to organize and protect versus I love both of the people involved and I want them to be happy. I think it all boils down to you want people to be happy. And whenever there's interpersonal relationship problems within the band, it does affect everybody, you know, whether it's spoken or not, you know. When 35 people know each other fairly well and somebody's really having trouble it's two or three people will reach out and say, no matter what, I'm with you. But we're all catching the vibe. We all are feeling that there's friction between you two. And for years, one of my biggest regrets is there was a lot of instances with people where I don't think I handled it right. I'm sure other people didn't handle it right because we still didn't know how to, how to do it. You know, what is going to kill the project or what is going to kill a friendship? You know, and it's a fine line. Most three-piece bands, it's three guys who went to college together or high school together, and no matter what, either the band implodes or they move on. In a band of, you know, we probably had 60 people at times going through the band um, at, at various times. There's a lot of people who either, they had an agenda and they really had a great vision and they wanted to see that happen within the band. It just wasn't gonna happen.
whether it was somebody who wanted the same song, the same choreographed piece every time. Well, we don't play it like that, and we don't do visuals like that. No matter, it's a, it's a wonderful goal, and it's a powerful thing, and it's good. In the context of the mutator, it didn't work. Or one person having an issue, but everybody else loves that person. It's like, who stays, who goes? Who's got seniority? That's been a huge issue in the band, is seniority. Sometimes it can't be who was the oldest. If somebody who kicks ass now and is at every toil and every practice and every rehearsal and is cleaning up the labs and has only been in it for three years and there's an, a five-year veteran who's lazy and doesn't toil and doesn't clean up after themselves, you know, there's a feeling of, well, I'm busting my butt for this, you know, now. But then you have the old timers going, yeah, but I was toiling my ass way back in the day when there were five of us hauling all these drums, you know. It, it's, it's, over the years, it's just gotten better naturally. And the natural progression of some people who are like, you know what, I just don't, I just don't like this. You know, I really don't dig the music. And I know there's been a couple, especially fire performers, who had brilliant ideas that just weren't working within the confines of the band and they went off to form their own troops and they were able to realize their vision, which is awesome and we support that, you know, and I will give anybody jobs, you know, that I can, you know, but I just hope that over time it gets easier for anybody who it wasn't what they wanted and it, it didn't work out the way they wanted. I hope everyone can accept you know, responsibility and apology at the same time of like, hey, it just didn't work, you know? And I just, I just wish that everybody who has that creative vision, if it doesn't work in the confines of your project, it's okay. Start your own or, or do it the way you want to. Or put up and shut up, you know? Because a lot of people have compromised so much in the band. What's made them stick it out is that they're okay with those compromises. You have been listening to Burncast, a podcast spreading the flames about the art, culture, and community of Burning Man. For more information, please visit our website, burncast.net. To contact us, please call the Burncast hotline at 206-350-1416. Hey folks, uh, Burncasting is a lot of work. Uh, give, give some love, give a shout out, go, go to the site. Leave a message, tell the bomb what you think of uh, this episode, past episodes, ideas you have for interviews in the future. You know, Burncast, it's just like on the playa. It's, it means more with your participation. I see thousands of downloads going by every month. I know you're listening. I want to hear from you. So coming up in, uh, in this next segment, Crunchy is going to talk about the televised arrest of her husband, Maddie, on Datelines to Catch a Predator series filmed in Long Beach, California, and the timing of his resignation uh, from the band and the band's reaction to that televised episode. Also, she tells us where she is personally in regards to her relationship with Maddie and her marriage, and also with her future involvement with Mutator, the band. Okay, let's listen. Talking about Mutator, right now it's hard to not talk about what happened with Maddie. It's understandable. When we first approached you, 
um, there's a lot you couldn't say because the, 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 the case, case was pending. Was, yeah, still pending. So much of what happened um, has truly been in, in waves. Um, first there was the arrest, and quite frankly, we didn't think that they could air somebody's face when they haven't had their day in court, and obviously Dateline does that. The court of public opinion is pretty serious, and so much of what we've encountered, it's been pretty eye-opening for me just to learn about different addictions and the differences in levels of registered sex offenders and, um, and really the ins and outs of the law. There's so much more to it than just seeing him walk into a house and seeing the chats. There still is more involving mm -hmm. what photos were sent, what the profiles actually were, and, and in the context of what I call um, a presumption of, of justice. When it comes to addiction, truly addiction isn't just about alcohol, it's not just about drugs, it's not just about an adult being addicted to pornography, it's not just about adult men who are addicted to a fantasy, mm -hmm. sexual fantasy life. There are always going to be people who will infer exactly that he's guilty, this is it, he, he did it. That they, they don't want anything resembling an excuse or an explanation or a backstory. They don't care. What I find more interesting is the people who have already reached out, not just to Maddie, but also to me, and understanding that it is very lonely and it is very dark. What I find so fascinating about the whole issue is simply that the vigilanteism that comes up. So you have whole neighborhoods who are like, we don't want a registered sex offender in our neighborhood. Or you have these groups that call businesses of anybody who's a registered sex offender to try to get them fired. What mm -hmm. they don't realize is they're absolutely causing more harm than good. So many of these guys, they're in programs, they're getting help. The police departments hate the vigilanteism because when you lose your job and you lose your health insurance, and you lose your home and you can't live anywhere, you become homeless. And the only legal thing that a registered offender, Maddie's case, he didn't go to jail and his is an attempt. He, there's no evidence of any, anything physical he did. Mm -hmm. um, he showed up and is unfortunately on national television. But um, so many of these guys who actually have, you know, their family friends, they've been convicted of being different levels of a registered offender, when they're homeless, they disappear. In, in Chris Hansen's book, there's actually a whole chapter about how these guys, we need to get them back on their feet enough so that we can keep an eye on them and they're actually productive members of society and not hiding, you know. The most interesting comment I got was from a dear friend who was a daily heroin user who basically said, I understand being self-destructive, be throwing away everything when he was doing heroin. And he's like, when you're outside of it, all you want is for people to give you a second chance. You, you knew about the arrest. You didn't really think they'd be able to air it until he went to court. Yeah. So the sudden appearance of it on television without the other band members knowing was... It was shocking to everyone. I think um, on that subject, we made the decision not to, not to tell everyone because we truly... There's, like I said, there's so much about the evidence that if we really needed to fight that we probably could have. And then there's so much about the evidence that it's, it doesn't matter. It's like, he did this. He, he talked to somebody on the internet and he showed up. Um, we found out that they were gonna air it the day of and a few hours before the airing. Oh. But we didn't even know he would be on it. They just said the Long Beach episode would be on this night. 
And at that point, do we call 40 people and try to explain what happened, or do we wait to see? Because uh, kind of all along, we were hoping to go through the legal process and then let everyone know because he would have stepped down pretty much either way. But yeah. it was it was the, to the type of thing where there was still a lot of details that some of them I didn't know, but some of them I knew. and that I think were worth questioning, that we were going to, at that point, probably try to fight this. And in a way, I guess they call it plausible deniability. You know, it, it, it was something so personal. We had already gone through a few months where it hadn't got out, gotten out into the public that I think we both wanted to, to tell everybody after we knew more about what the legal outcome would be. And then with it airing like it did, there's the court of public opinion. There's no way he'd ever get a fair trial anyway. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can say, you can tell someone, well, they sent a completely different picture and the profile was different. I mean, there's so much that you could say that, um, that a lot of these guys, you know, probably had a similar experience, but it's like, it kind of doesn't matter because they, they did have these chats no matter how they started, no matter if there were discrepancies in age, it's like, it, it doesn't matter at that point. And he knew he needed help, and he and he's getting it. In a weird way, it did kind of protect the band um, by not knowing because they were innocent. They truly had nothing to do with it, and this was a personal problem that he he had to go through. So it was it was it was a judgment call. Looking back, I don't know if we made the right one. It's like no, as as much as I would give anything save my soul to have a time machine to go back, and I know Maddie would definitely. It, it's kind of like at that point, it happened, and here's where we are. You know, uh-huh. this was a decision that we made that we truly thought that we would have the opportunity to tell them why he was stepping down and that he needed to go in for an addiction. You know, for to try to recover himself and to try to heal. And it just it, it didn't happen that way. We didn't have the opportunity. There is a lot of. Uh chatter on tribe. I've seen that you've tried to talk to people and respond to some people on there. Yeah. So I've tried to talk to some people on tribe about it and what I'm finding is a lot of the people who absolutely any any dialogue you have is when it's considered an excuse or somebody you know people have said why are you um, you know excusing his behavior. I'm not at all. I'm just saying they have an agenda. So many people who have been the victims of this abuse, which my heart goes out to anybody who's had to go through this, and they have my love and support, but don't use that as the excuse to pigeonhole every single man who's a sex addict as being a pedophile. The people who are so negative and so judgmental about it, oftentimes they've been the victims of it themselves, you know, and and a lot of them have worked really hard to work through it and when something like this happens in your community it brings it all up again and it's very painful and they have every right to be upset but i think sometimes their anger is is directed you know it makes them feel better whereas it's not really dealing with the issue at hand you know of a specific person's problem when something bad like this happens it, it's really interesting to see how people respond. Yeah. Would you rather have someone, like you say, disappear into the fabric of society where you don't know where they're at or what they're doing, mm-hmm. or would you rather be part of the, you know, the support 
that helps that person find their way mm. and be able to keep tabs on them and make sure that they're staying on the straight and narrow. Yeah. I think it's a great opportunity for us to look at ways that a community can be supportive to its members and not just when they've got some fantastic art project going yeah. or you know when everything's going great. Of course everyone wants to hang out with you when everything's going great. Yep. But when things are down and out. You really find out who your friends are. Exactly. And you really find out what your community is about, you know. Like I said, it's been really nice to see people expressing frustration and pain and anger while at the same time express empathy for the friends and to me and to our families and just say, hey, no matter what, if it was my kid, if it was my dad, if it was my brother, I would hope that they would get the help they need, you know? And there's a lot of people who have said that to me, just, I hope he gets the help he needs. I don't want to be around him, but, which is, which is great. It's like, but I hope he, I hope he figures it out. And that's it. And that's a beautiful thing. What this whole situation has brought out with the community is a lot of people reassessing their own addiction, whatever that might be. A lot of people expressing their own past pain and hurt with abuse, which is horribly rampant. A lot of people reassessing how safe they are. Mm -hmm. Are there a lot of women who maybe do get, you know, I mean, I remember I know somebody brought up a lot of date rape issues on Tribe when there was a quote unquote predatory person going to a lot of campouts and it was brought up and man, every everybody was like, well, wait, were you flirting with him and then you were totally drunk or you dropped acid that night? We're not judging either party, but maybe reassess that the next time you have a buddy or you are safe about this, you know, mm -hmm. especially at Burning Man. There's always, Burning Man is this amazing creative place, but it's not utopia. Mm -hmm. And every single year, a couple of weeks after the burn, the stories come up about, especially on the Burning Women tribe, about, oh yeah, you know what, I do kind of feel like I was date raped, or yeah, you know what, somebody did dose me, had a good acid trip, but somebody dosed me, and if I wasn't with my friends, I probably would have been violated, you mm -hmm. know. A lot of this, it's, it's the reality that you have to face, and it's the people who are living in either a utopian view of Burning Man, or, or let's say of the creative community that many people happen to go to Burning Man, because I don't, it's not just about Burning Man, there's a lot of people who don't go to Burning Man in LA who still go to, you know, whether it be Space Island or whether it be, you know, the different parties or the different campouts, Singularity, and all of these amazing Zara, these incredible campouts that happens, the situations still come up. Are you safe? You know, who's around you? Are you aware of your surroundings? And I think it's easy to get lost in our community. It's easy to think that it is all the way we want it to be. Some people have asked, like, wow, how can you stand by Maddie after everything that's happened? Mm -hmm. You know, and then, you know, the other question is, well, what about Mutator? I mean, isn't it hard to, to stay with, with, uh, with the band that was... Honestly, no. I've, I, I've, the band has always been very separate from... It was something I shared with him, but I love doing it anyway, and anyone who knows my background. I've been working with bands since I was like 16, actually, professionally since I was 18. So the band are my friends. You know, like I said, if the band ended tomorrow, I know we'd all still be in touch. And 
the first part of the question, which is well, how can I stand, stay with him and stand by him? Like I said, when you're friends with someone for 15 years, it's, it's very easy when they need help to help them. And right now I'm just kind of, as a human being, I need, for my own happiness, I need to know he'll be okay. I need to know he's getting help. I need to know that every day he's aware of what he's done and he is spending the rest of his life to make amends for it. I need to know that. And that will, it's not that I'm, I have any other ulterior motives. When you care about somebody, you want to know that they're, they're figuring it out, that they've had their epiphany, that they're on the right path. And as far as our marriage, that's between us. You know, whether we stay together or split up, neither of us knows at this point. All I know is for right now, I, 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 it, like I said, it's not that I need to be there with him, it's that it will give me great pleasure to see somebody change their life around. You know, how often do you have the opportunity to help somebody literally go from a suicidal moment, you know, of literally dying and throwing everything away to saying, I want to live and I want to be a good person. So for right now, it's very important to me to know that somebody who has been there for me as a dear friend, you know, probably my best friend for 15 years is a long time. And he's been there for me. And he's totally been there for me in, in ways, you know, not just as my husband and my partner, but as my friend. I've gone through a lot in my own life and he was always the first person I could talk to about this. And I think the empathy for me to truly absorb and appreciate what he must have been going through to have thrown away everything in his life. That must have been a horrible place. That must have been horribly dark and sad and depressing and just a horrible place. And the fact that he couldn't tell anybody with all of these friends around him, I, I'm sorry that anybody would have to be in that horrible place. And he's not there anymore, which is a beautiful thing. That's part of life, is making your mistake, standing up and saying, I really fucked up. Now this is what I'm gonna do to make amends for it. So for right now, that's kind of where I'm at. I just, I wanna know he'll be okay and he's doing the right thing, which I think he is now. Um, and then, you know, whatever happens with the two of us, we'll be friends either way, whether we stay together as a married couple or whether we're best friends. And I still don't know exactly what I want. And so I just want some time to go by, you know, and figure out what I want, what I can get at this point, whether it's just friends or whether it is as a husband, I don't know. Um, mm -hmm. And that, that'll be between us, you know, mm -hmm. that'll be very private. But as far as the band goes, I'd see it very separate. Music has always been very business-like with me. You know, it's my passion. Mm -hmm. And I'm lucky enough to have found something that gives me my life reason and happiness and make it my business. Mm -hmm. And obviously I still have a day job with a record label, but as far as the band goes, I love it, mm -hmm. you know? And to be able to do that, to do something you love and make it your work is wonderfully fulfilling. You have been listening to Burncast, a podcast spreading the flames about the art, culture, and community of Burning Man. 
For more information, please visit our website, burncast.net. To contact us, please call the Burncast hotline at 206-350-1416 or click on the MyChingo audio recorder embedded at our website. A very special thanks to Lecter of NoSpectators.com for hosting these podcasts. Thank <laughs> you.